Welcome to the 14th edition of Bejek and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. We are joined live by the host with the most, by Bejek. We have a very exciting episode planned for you folks today. Uh, we have a very special guest that will join us momentarily uh, to give us his, his years of wisdom, insight, and knowledge uh, in the sports world. And we also uh, want to thank you for listening in on anchor.fm backslash Bejek hyphen Brown. How are you doing, Bob? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm very excited to talk some basketball and especially with somebody that is a friend of mine um, who I've knew back in my Bleacher Report writing days. And he just bleeds basketball and we're going to get a unique perspective. Yeah, Bob, I just wanted to start the episode. I know this is about hoops and basketball, uh, but I would be remiss without taking a moment of silence to um, just uh, give a moment of rest in peace to one of my heroes, Gail Sayers, uh, from the Omaha, Nebraska area. Uh, the, the, they know him as the Kansas Common. I know he played for your beloved Bears. Uh, Bob, do you have any intake about uh, the late, great Gail Sayers? Oh, yeah. I mean, Gail Sayers, he's one of the greatest Bears of all time. You know I love the Bears. He's actually on my apartment wall. My parents, uh, for Christmas one year, got me a nice photo frame of him and uh, he's just a dynamic player, probably the greatest number 40 there ever was. Absolutely. Uh, Bob, and just kind of near and dear to my heart because, again, I did grow up in the Council Bluffs, Iowa, Omaha, Nebraska area. Uh, Gail Sayers was was born in Wichita, Kansas, but he grew up and was raised in Omaha, Nebraska, went to Omaha Central, uh, went on to Kansas University, and then the NFL was the fourth pick. And just in his short career, was we you know, was cut due to injuries. Uh, but was able to amass so many records. As a rookie, Bob, 22 touchdowns, um, amassed four Pro Bowl selections, uh, was a 1965 Rookie of the Year. After his injury, was a 1969 Comeback Player of the Year, led the league in rushing twice, and also had eight return touchdowns. And then, of course, we everyone knows him for the movie with Brian Piccolo and Brian Song. And even after his playing days, Bob, I believe he was still the youngest person ever elected into the Football Hall of Fame at the age of 34, and was the athletic director for Southern Illinois uh, for a short time, from 1976 to 1981. So just wanted to pay my respects to all the people in Omaha and all the Chicago Bear fans across the world that lost uh, Gail Sayers yesterday. And, oh. folks, we want to thank you again for joining in on, on Bayjack and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. Uh, Bob, if you want to do the honors in introducing our guests... None other than the great Daryl Horowitz, Chicago-based writer who's now in Charlotte. He is joining us. Daryl, how you doing? Really good. How you guys doing tonight? We're doing fantastic. We're so honored doing great. to have you here. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great to finally get a chance to talk to you, Daryl. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Appreciate it. Theo, right? Yes, Mr. Horowitz. Uh, Theo, yes, sir. Pleasure um, to meet you. Daryl, can, can you please give our listeners um, just a bit of a background with your um, just your sports writing and journalism background and a little bit of your radio background? Well, I did a radio show in Chicago weekend show. I was the host of it. It was called the Sunday Sports Shootout. Uh, I've written for a lot of different uh, – I wrote for Bleacher Report before. In fact, when I left there, I was one of the top 25 most commented on writers on the entire state. I wrote uh, for The Heckler, which is a really popular paper in Chicago. It was, it was kind of like a sports onion, except I did the legitimate interviews for them. And so I interviewed a lot of people with the Cubs and the White Sox uh, wow. for that paper. I also wrote for Cubs Vineline paper before. Uh, done other types of writing also, but majority sports. So a lot of different things regarding that. I started getting in as media right around 2003. Uh, so I covered the Bulls for about 15 years, approximately, wow. too. And the Cubs and the White Sox for about three years. That's fantastic, Daryl. Was there, was there anything that got you into um, uh, basketball writing? What was it about the game that just speaks to you? <laughs> I started watching basketball as a kid growing up in Chicago. Uh, I watched the Chicago Bulls the first year they were uh, established. 
and they actually made the playoffs the first year. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're the, still the only team in the NBA to make the playoffs wow. the first year, wow. if I'm correct about that. Uh, they had a great day. had Jerry Sloan, Bob Love, uh, Chet Walker on the team. I'm not sure if they had him the first year, though. I might be thinking that might be a little bit. Jerry Sloan was definitely there the first year, though. Mr. Horowitz, may I ask one quick question um, before in our intro? Uh, Mr. Horowitz, I grew up in the Omaha, Nebraska area, and we just paid a, a quick tribute uh, to Gail Sayers, uh, who grew up uh, in the Omaha, Nebraska area. And of course, went to Kansas and played for the Bears. Did you have any memories, Mr. Horowitz, of Gail Sayers uh, back in reporting days? It's really funny you mentioned that. They actually wrote something on – somebody did a tribute to Gail Sayers yesterday on The Athletic, and I actually commented there. Okay. And I mentioned how he ran. He wasn't really running. He was gliding. He would, like, faint. You'd have his leg there. You'd kind of think it was there. You'd reach to grab it, and it would be gone. Uh, I've never seen anybody run like Gail Sayers in – my entire lifetime of watching the NFL, the player I thought was closest was Barry Sanders, but he didn't. Sarah's could cut on a dime without even stopping or slowing down. Probably the most exciting running back, or he also returned kicks and punts too. Probably the most exciting player with the ball in his hands I've ever seen in the NFL, realistically. That's phenomenal. Um, Daryl, do uh, can you tell our readers um, a little bit about uh, some of your stories about basketball? I know you were talking to me the other day about just some run-ins you had with some of the great players like Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, Isaiah was coaching the New York Knicks uh, at this time, so the Bulls were playing the Knicks. This was uh, before or after the game. Well, not, I think it was after the game. He was uh, he just recently had gotten his contract extended the Nick. And all of a sudden they got hot. They got hot. Uh, man. Almost immediately, as soon as they got cold again and started losing and playing the way they were before. So when I happened to see him, I asked him a question asking, do you think the players were trying to save your job? like when they played really well before and they got you the contract extension and they haven't been playing as well since. <laughs> he kind of looks at me and I'm literally right in front of him. I'm, I'm like a, a foot away from him. Even answer my question. Then the next guy asked him a question. He completely ignored the next guy's question. And then he answers my question. You know, for those people who've seen me or know me, like, I don't need anyone to help save my job. I've done pretty well on my own. And he goes on this litany of stuff, like defending himself to me because of that question I asked him. So I thought that was kind of funny, actually. And folks, again, thank you for listening. This is the 14th edition of Bajek and Brown Hoops Up and Down live on anchor.fm backslash Bajek hyphen Brown. We have our guest, special guest with us, Mr. Daryl Horowitz, all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, go ahead, Bob. Yeah, um, you know, we had, uh, you were telling us a little bit about Yao Ming. Can you tell us about uh, your interaction with the great Yao? I didn't have a lot of interaction. I was at one game when he was interested thing with Yao Ming, so I don't remember what I Yao Ming sitting down on the bench, taller than I was standing. Phenomenal. I mean, he was the biggest guy I was ever right by. And obviously, NBA players are pretty big. There were a lot of guys seven foot tall or more. But he just stood out. His, he was absolutely huge. It was, I never seen anything like it in person. Again, sitting there, he was almost taller than I was. Mr. Horowitz, did you ever... Speaking, I'll tell you what, though. I... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, Mr. Horowitz, go ahead. Finish your story. No, I was going to mention, uh, if you wanted, another guy who was pretty tall I had a little interaction with was uh, Bill Cartwright. <laughs> Absolutely. We'd love to hear it. So Bill, Bill Cartwright was the coach 
of the Bulls at the time. Tyson Chandler happened to be on the team. Obviously, he wasn't a very skilled offensive player, but I thought Tyson Chandler had kind of a build, kind of similar to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, he was tall, he was lean. And I asked him, because no one's ever really done it. And I think actually even Dr. Jack Ramsey asked the question before, how come no one's ever tried to do the skyhook in the league aside from uh, Jabbar? So I asked Cartwright, what would you think of Chandler possibly learning how to do a skyhook? And I compared him to Jabbar and the way he was built, you know, his length and all. Cartwright, who's 7-1, bends down over me. He's got this gravelly voice. And he goes, I played against Jabbar. He had shoulders out to here. He puts his hands like really far out on both sides. He <laughs> went, like, I forgot what he said. He waited. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. When he came in the league, Jabbar was, I think, even 35 pounds. He's over seven foot tall. Thicker later in his career. But the way he described him, I'm like, who the heck are you describing? That's not Jabbar. And it was just funny. Like I said, he's right in my face, like leaning over. He's got shoulders out there here. I'm like, you can't obviously say something to him. You're I'm thinking to myself exactly that. Uh, Daryl, can you tell us, you know, we probably have some people who are interested in Hello? sports media, um, doing, you know, listening to our pod. Can you give us, give some advice to just maybe younger listeners, like how to uh, report in a locker room, how to build a story? Well, I think one of the most important things actually is to listen. I've been going to, uh, I was going to the games for a long time and I would see people interviewing somebody or asking them questions. And instead of listening to what that person said to the question they asked, they were already thinking about the next question they had on the agenda. And there's some times that the person, what they answered, they had a total gem that you could do a great follow-up question with that they didn't notice because they weren't listening or paying attention to what that person said. So I think one of the most important things someone could do, like a young reporter, if you're doing an interview, is make sure that you listen to what the person says. And if they give you that gold, you want to grab it. That's tremendous insight, Ms. Horst. Uh, yeah. You know, we had a question. Uh, we know that you're very knowledgeable of the game, Daryl. Um, you've been watching many years. And our social media question was, who do you think was the best player never to win the MVP? And we had options like Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, Patrick Ewing, Isaiah Thomas, or Dwayne Wade. Uh, is there anybody that you thought of those guys that maybe was the best player, or is there somebody maybe that didn't make the list that you think should get a nod? No, I like your list. I'll tell you what, Baylor – I was a little young to see him in his prime, so I don't want to judge a guy I really didn't see play. I saw him late in his career, and, and he wasn't the same player. I'll tell you a guy I did see, and that was his teammate. I saw Jerry West. And Jerry West averaged 27 points a game, and that was before they had three-point shots. And I would see Jerry West because they used to beat the Bulls all the time. The Lakers and the Bulls were in the same conference. And every time I thought the Bulls were going to beat them, somehow or other – L.A. would come on top, and most of the time it was because of something that Jerry West did. He would shoot from maybe not – maybe not uh, – You got – hello? You guys there? I'm I'm over here, uh, folks. I think that Daryl got gotten disconnected, or we're, we're just experiencing some technical difficulties at the moment. Yeah, Mr. Horowitz, are you still there? Is there a way we could uh, reconnect him, Theus? Yes, we can. Yeah, we can reconnect. Uh, one moment. We'll do a quick break. We'll edit out. Uh, give us one moment, folks. We're going to go to a, a quick uh, listener break here. We thank you for listening to Basic and Brown. Hoops Up and Down podcast. We apologize for the technical difficulties. Uh, we will come back live with our guests. 
Schultz, are you back on? I think he is a break right now. We thank the Benjamin Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast episode. Welcome, folks. Again, we again are sorry for the technical difficulties. We are back on Bajic and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. This is episode number 14. We again thank you for listening in with our special guest all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Mr. Dale Horwitz. We're just momentarily waiting uh, his arrival to get back on the call. But me and Mr. Horwitz were actually talking in the last segment. We just uh, following up on his Yao Ming story, and we were talking about uh, Manu Bowl. And he was just mentioning that he had never uh, personally covered Manu Bowl, but me and Mr. Horowitz had the same thinking that we both felt the Bulls should have uh, selected Bowl Bowl. And Mr. Horowitz, I, I thank you for joining us back again. C- can you uh, rephrase what you were saying about you thought about the Bulls' prospects of drafting Bowl Bowl? Yeah. Uh, see, my thought pattern is if you're going to build a team, you if you want to win a championship, you you have to take risks. You want to draft players. That could be difference makers, guys that could – like they drafted, for instance, they took Daniel Gafford with that pick. He'll be a nice career yes, backup player. He, You know what the guy is. He's never going to be anything special. I don't want to build a team of eight or nine guys that are all like good decent players. We'll make the playoffs every year, but we're never going to be anywhere good enough to compete for the championship. And that's what I think the Bulls have been doing under pre, under their previous regime. Like when they drafted Wendell Carter Jr., for instance, the guy I wanted, well, the guy I wanted in that draft was Trey Young, but he was already taken. If I could not get Trey Young, I'm not going to take a guy with Wendell Carter Jr. who's got a nice floor. He's going to play in the league a long time, but he's undersized for his position. He's not really that athletic. There's nothing about him special. And to me, he didn't have the alpha dog gene because he was the number one recruited Duke. And at the last minute, Duke got Marvin Bagley, and he went there. And when they got Bagley, all of a sudden, Carter says that he'll take a backseat to Bagley and let Bagley be the star. And to me, if you're really an alpha dog, you don't take a backseat to anybody. So right then, I knew that he's a complimentary player and not a guy who's ever going to be anything special to me because it's your mindset, it's how you think, that controls how you end up playing. I would have taken a chance. There's two things I would have done. One, I would have either taken Michael Porter Jr. or I would have traded the pick to the Clippers because they had two picks mm. at 12 and 13. And you still could have ended up getting Porter Jr. with the 12th and 13th and had another pick and picked another guy. So that's what I would have done. One of the two things, I would not have taken Wendell Carter Jr. Because in that essence, you're saying you never want to be great. And free agents never come to Chicago. At least they haven't in the past. So one way or the other, you're going to have to find a great player. And if you're not getting the first or second pick in the right draft, you're never getting that player unless you get lucky. And the Bulls never made smart moves when drafting like that. Mr. Horowitz, I, I agreed with that segment because every all our listeners know I'm an avid Duke fan, and I try not to be critical of players, especially you know young guys coming out of college. But I just thought that Wendell Carter didn't have the type of motor, uh, and to be quite frank, I didn't think uh, Marvin Bagley did either, and he's showing that. But I just thought that that pick would be better served with Bo Bo because of his upside, because he has the defensive prowess, uh, and he did have shooting ability, and he's also able, as you've seen over the summer. He's improved immensely with his player development and has become a lot stronger player offensively and gained weight. Uh, Darryl, what- now, I watched him a few times. I watched a lot of Denver basketball because I wanted to see Porter Jr. play. Yes, sir. And every time I saw Porter Jr. play, I saw how fluid he is, how he handles the ball, how smooth he is going to the hole. He's such a smooth – I keep barely – wrinkles the net when the ball goes through. I saw all that athletic ability. Now, I know he had the back injury. I know it was 
it's risky making that pick. But if you hit on that pick, you just got yourself a superstar versus getting a guy who's never to be anything more than a good player. And I play a couple times too, and I was really impressed with him. Ball for his size, being able to pass the way he did. He's a special type of player where he's got the ability to become really good. I don't know if he ever will, but at least he's got the ability. I'd rather take a chance on that and settle for average. Absolutely, folks. We thank you for listening to Bajek and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. This is our 14th edition. We are joined by our special guest, Mr. Daryl Horowitz, live from the Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, go ahead, Bob. Yeah, um, you know, we got kind of cut off with technical difficulties, and you were just talking about how you thought the great Jerry West, G-Logo, was your pick for the best guy to never win an MVP, and you were kind of saying how there these playoff matches against the Bulls, and, um, you know, he just had great range, kind of like, I think he was obviously staff. Can you elaborate on that point? I think that was where your train of thought was. No, I was saying – the Bulls would always come back in the day. They were in the same conference. And every time the Bulls would end up losing to them, even sometimes it looked like the Bulls were finally going to win. This time they're going to get through. They're going to beat the Lakers. They're going to move on. And every time they would fall, and almost all the time, it would be because of Jerry West. He'd hit some shot from 30 feet away. He would do something to end up beating them. I just thought he was a great player, a great shooter, uh, again, it was a great executive for all those years, too. And that's why I said he was actually, to me, the number one Laker in their history when you combine his contributions from on the court and in the front office. Bob, did you want to elaborate on the, the possible storyline of uh, LeBron James and, and Pat Riley facing their old team in the finals? Yeah, you know, um, uh, Daryl probably knows this. I love my subplots and – uh, it looks like it's possible that it could be Lakers heat in the finals where LeBron's going to face his old coach and uh, Pat Riley. Uh, and it's, it's just very exciting. But uh, Daryl, can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe just some of your thoughts on LeBron James? Ah, LeBron James. What an interesting topic that is. Uh, I've written about him before. Everybody, maybe except for Skip Bayless, if you see his <laughs> Twitter sometimes. Bayless, everyone, I think he does uh, notice. Uh, everybody in the media is in love with LeBron. They all jump on his bandwagon. Oh, my God, what a pass by LeBron. Was that incredible? By LeBron, it was incredible. I, I don't understand the LeBron love. He's a physical freak. I mean, he's obviously strong, lightning quick. The things. Hello? Yes, can you hear us, Mr. Horowitz? Did we... Oh, I thought we lost it again. Oh, no, we're still here. Yeah. No. I was going to say he's. So, and like I said, he, he's a physical marvel, but I don't think he ever worked on his game that much to make himself as good as he should have been. I think he's become a better shooter now in recent years than he was in the past. Uh, he didn't work on a post-up game for the longest time. If you look at his rebounding, the guy has never averaged 10 rebounds a game in a season. For a guy who's about 6'8", 6'9", 250, 260 pounds, whatever he's going at, he should easily be able to get 10 rebounds a game. And what I like to do is, again, I think everyone, like, you know, he's the chosen and everything else. And so people like to always build him up, and this is the next best thing. So everyone in the past wasn't that good. LeBron's better than everyone who played before. LeBron's better than Michael Jordan. Well, by the way, since I grew up in Chicago and watched Michael Jordan my whole life, let me just say, LeBron's not close to Michael <laughs> as a basketball player. Really. He's not close. LeBron would much rather pass the ball than take the final shot because he doesn't feel comfortable taking the final shot. LeBron 
doesn't like having the ball at end of games because LeBron's not a very good free throw shooter. LeBron would rather like give it to someone else than everyone could say, you know what? LeBron made the right basketball play. He's such a brilliant basketball player. He didn't need to shoot it. He made the right play, but he'd rather actually not be the guy that's responsible for making the basket. And let me give you another guy that I think is without a doubt better than LeBron. Without a doubt. Larry Bird was without a doubt a better basketball player than LeBron. He's a better passer than LeBron. Watch some highlights of him. This guy averaged over 10 rebounds a game. And who would you want to take the last shot in the game? Would you want LeBron to take it? Or would you want the guy who walked in to the locker room of the first ever three-point shootout at the All-Star game and say, okay, which one of you guys is finishing second? Is that the guy you want to take the shot <laughs> or LeBron? I think you I, think you I agree. Answer, ba- right? ba- Mr. Yeah. Mr. Horace, would you would you put Oscar Robson also on that list ahead of LeBron? You know, Oscar, when he was really, really good, was probably a little before my time, too. I know okay. how great he was. Oscar's a little bit of different type of player. Oscar was 6'5", 220. Uh, great, you know, great pass. He handled the ball. He was strong. He could shoot. I don't know if he translates as well to the game today as like I think I think Jerry West might have translated better to the game today than Oscar would have. I think Oscar maybe wasn't quite as quick and things along those lines. He could definitely play, but I don't think he was as transferable as some other players were. And I think Larry Bird obviously could play today. Think about it. You had the hand check back then. You had really big, strong centers that were Hall of Fame centers. You had, so you couldn't drive the lane. And those guys would crush you if you did drive the lane. It wasn't like they parted like the Red Sea like they do today. If you watch guys go to the basket, how many times do they get hit? And they almost never get clobbered. And even when you got a flagrant foul, how many times is that flagrant foul where a guy barely got touched? And speaking of which, how many times have you seen LeBron, like the other day when he got the elbow, when the guy basically had it against his face and slightly moved it? I'm quite a bit older than LeBron. What I saw there, and I didn't feel it, but what I saw there, I don't think that would have bothered me. And LeBron's on the ground writhing in pain like he does every time anyone <laughs> touches him. He's a good actor, so I'll give him that. But I don't think he's as good a player <laughs> as people make him out to be. And I'm not... Is he a great player? Yeah, you can put it all together and say he's a great player, but he's also an overrated player. And by the way, I would take Kobe over him. Do you too. think, Daryl, some of this might be because uh, LeBron had a very bad finals in 2011 when J.J. Barea and some other players just overwhelmed him? Do you think maybe that just hurts his legacy so much when you say, is he like Kareem or MJ or Kobe? Well, for one, that year, I never thought Dallas would win. I was kind of shocked by that. And Miami, that was their first year, so they weren't as used to playing together. I know when the when the Bulls played them, I thought the Bulls' best opportunity would beat them would be the first year because they weren't used to playing with each other yet. And the more cohesive they got, the longer they played together, the tougher they were going to be to beat. But I don't know if LeBron, to me, steps up when things come. Sometimes you've got to lead a team. you got to just take them on your shoulders, and you're going to do whatever you can to win. I don't think Dallas was a better team than Miami. But Dallas played better basketball than Miami, and I don't think LeBron came through when he needed to. He wanted to build his team. He built his super team. And then he ended up failing in that aspect. And then he made the comment. If you remember, after they lost, LeBron made a comment because everyone was enjoying the fact that Miami lost. And he made the comment that, well, all of you are enjoying this and happy. You could all go back to your – he didn't say these exact words, but what he pretty much intimated was, you could all go back to your pathetic lives and enjoy the fact that I lost 
and I'm going to go back to be living like a king. And so enjoy your enjoy the fact that we lost. That's pretty much what he said, if you want to interpret it. And it really came across really poorly when he said that. Folks, we thank you for listening again on, on Bayjack and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. This is our 14th episode. We have our live guest, Mr. Daryl Horowitz. Uh, Mr. Horowitz, what are your feelings on the, the Eastern Conference matchup so far between uh, the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics? I picked Miami before the series started. Boston, to me, is a nice team. They're a good team. They're not a great team. I don't think there's a great player on the team yet. I'm a great player already. I don't think – I think their coach, Stevens, is really good. I'm not sure if he's a great coach. There's certain coaches that get you to a certain point. Like Tom Thibodeau, for instance, was one of those type of guys. He's a button holder. There's certain guys that are coaches that will win the regular season – but for whatever reason, they can't figure out what you need to do when it's in the playoffs to get their team over to the past team. That might, you know, they might be better than the other team might be better than them. But it seems like they can't figure it out. So I don't think Boston's going to come back like Denver did a couple times from 3-1 and win the series. Or at least I'll, I'll be pretty surprised if they do. Um, Daryl, one of our favorite uh, – Media personalities, Janelle Moore, she used to write with me with basketball writers. She's a big fan of Bam Adebayo. She told us um, weeks ago that look out for Bam on Giannis, that she thinks that he can check him, and he did. And then you've seen Bam do great, whether it's defensively, passing off the elbow, even getting lobs, which are my favorite NBA play. Um, what, what is it about Bam that you see that makes him such a great player? Well, I'll tell you what, what impressed me more about him than anything, and I think you know what I'm going to say, was that block of Tatum. I mean, Tatum is going, like, he's going full force to the basket. He's got a head of steam behind him. He's like a locomotive. He's slamming that ball down. Bam puts his hand up right over the rim there. Like, you're thinking he's going to get it, like, broken off on the rim going to go flying like 20 in the air or something and he's not going to have a hand anymore and he rejects that shot at that point when the game's on the line I think again talking going back to LeBron when people talk about the LeBron block in the in the finals well LeBron ran the guy down he blocked it from behind but this is completely different when you're facing someone mano to mano and you block it in his face when he's got all the momentum going, I think that was the best block I've ever seen in the playoffs, personally, that I remember anyway. And obviously it's fresh in my mind. But this guy's come on. I mean, I don't think he was originally supposed to be as good as he's been so far. And part of it's got to be you got to look at, say, the coaching with Spolstra coming from the team. Obviously, Riley's in charge there. When you also look at Tyler Hero, how good he is already. You know, the game he had the other night with 37 points. They do a great job of developing players and making them into NBA players. And that's what I think what he's done with Bam Amabale as far as that goes. And that's the thing the Bulls, my team Chicago, that's the thing they have not done. They have not been good with development. And hopefully their new coach is going to be a little bit better with that with Billy Donovan. You know, that's that's right, Daryl, that about the development angle. If you look at what Miami's done besides Bam, you have uh, you know, Duncan Robinson's come on. They were able to find Kendrick Nunn. Um, you know, they're they're able to find something, build a team, kind of like what you said the Nuggets have done or some of these other teams and the Bulls have just done a horrible job. Mr. Horvath, you are a Chicago native. Uh what was your opinions of the Billy Donovan hiring. I know a lot of Chicago people here are kind of complex. They know that he had two national championships at Florida. On how his style, his approach, the roster. 
Well, I comment a lot on the athletic. I should be writing for them, but they haven't made me an offer yet. So <laughs> I happen to comment. And I made I said in the comments that I really like the hire. I think based on what was available, that he was a home run. He was the best guy they can get. I didn't want an assistant coach that you really don't have any clue how he's going to be as a head coach. Some assistant coaches are good assistants and they never become a head coach and they don't, they thrive at being an assistant. And then everyone was talking about, for instance, Wes Unsell Jr. He was the hot candidate. And they're talking about, wow, Denver's defense is so great. They beat the Clippers. They, I watched, like I said, I watched a lot of Denver games. I think of the teams left in the playoff, Denver's got the worst defense of any of them. I don't think their defense is that good at all. I don't know if Unsell Jr. is the coach, but if you're basing it on the defense they present, I wouldn't love if that's what you're saying makes them a good coach. Because I I see open shots all the time. Every team they played, open shots, go into the hole. Why do I – they've got like – it's like they're uh, – as far as COVID-19 goes, it's like they're staying six feet apart from everyone. Like they think that's the rule. <laughs> we can't get within six feet of these guys. I don't see great defense there. I'm, I'm missing it. I don't know. So I love the Donovan hire. I mean, he won two national championships of Florida. They should have won his first year. Well, at least they should have gotten past Golden State his first year at OKC when they were up 3-1. But I, I think I put that more, to be honest with you, on Durant and Westbrook than I do on him. Because if you're up 3-1, if you're as good as those guys are, you don't let another team beat you three straight games at that point. You find a way to kill them, and they didn't do that. And I put that on them more than I do on the coach for that series. So I love the Billy Donovan hire, and I'm shocked that the Bulls actually hired a guy like that compared to what they do all the time. We thank you again for listening to Benjamin and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast, episode 14. Uh, Mr. Horowitz, out there on Facebook and Anchor.fm where they can follow you on social media, where they can come acquainted with you? Well, I'm at I'm at uh, Daryl Horowitz on Twitter. And if you actually go to uh, – I'm going to be getting actually a website soon because I actually do speaking and I do writing. And I'm trying, like I said, I've been trying to see if I could find a way to get on The Athletic, but you could definitely read comments from me on The Athletic. So if you see Daryl H., that would be me. You'll frequently see me in Bulls articles, uh, in Cubs articles, uh, other basketball articles. If I find the stories interesting, I'll make comments there. And I've, I've got a following there, too. I'm so are, are you also there. a food critic as well? I actually do uh, food reviews in Charlotte here for a paper called the Queen City Nerve. Okay. Well, that sounds great, Daryl. We're just so happy that you were able to spend some time with us, you know, drop some knowledge to our listeners who just love the game. They want to get that knowledge. And um, we're glad you were here for, I call this the step forward one. We call it the step back last episode. For James Harden, because we were misdoing the math. But this one, I'm going to call this the step up, like Kyle Lowry when he takes that charge, kind of going old school. Uh, we, had, we had one listener question for Mr. Horowitz, oh, sure. if we could answer it real quick. Yeah, sure. Uh, Mr. Horowitz, one of our listeners uh, in Denver, Colorado, had a question. Uh, you would be in Chicago, sure. Bay. Uh, they asked, who are your five favorite Bulls of all time? Wow, interesting question. Five favorite Bulls of all time. Uh, Would Bob Boozer well, be on the list, the Omaha, Nebraska native Bob Boozer? You know, actually, I like Bob Boozer. I remember him as a kid. I don't think he's on my top five. Uh, okay. I've got Michael for sure. I'd have to say Bob Love and uh, Norm Van Leer from back when I was a kid. And I'm trying to think who – I like Joe Noah a lot the way he played, and I was covering him when uh, Joe Kim was on the team. Plus, he was also a guy who was pretty frank. When you're in the locker room, you ask him a question, he'd be pretty honest and straightforward with you. Uh, I would have probably at one point 
I don't know if I've changed it a little bit. Derek Rose, to me, before he got injured, I thought was on his way to being one of the best players in the league, period. Maybe the best player in the league. And I blame, by the way, I blame Top Thibodeau. He never should have been in the game when he was left in against Philadelphia when he got injured there. And had he not got injured there, he might never have got injured. So what the hell? You know, I wrote, I wrote a lot about Derrick Rose in the past. I'll save Derrick Rose for the other one then to make the top five. And, Mr. Horvitz, that was actually our, que- our poll question last week. Uh, we had asked listeners who was better in their prime uh, if we, they did not have injuries. It was Grant Hill or Derrick Rose. Do you feel that Rose and Grant Hill, uh, if not had been for the injuries? I think I wrote something for Bleacher Report before he got injured that he was maybe a top, about to be a top three player in the league at the time. And I thought he could be the best player. See, to me, I looked at, when you talked about LeBron before, I looked at Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was about six foot two. You know, he's listed at six three. He's about six foot two. And he's solidly built, but I thought about LeBron. If you shrunk LeBron down and made him six foot two, could he play in the league? I don't think LeBron James would be in the NBA if he was six foot two because he gets by completely on his size and strength. Derrick Rose was an incredible player at his size and height. His jumping ability was inc- if you saw a couple of the dunks that Derrick Rose made before, I mean he and plus he would do his little flip up shots. He was an incredible player. He could have been a better shooter, but he was a spectacular player, really exciting to watch. I think he could have been, like I said, I think he would have been a better player, take away the injuries. Now, another guy you want to mention too maybe is Penny Hardaway, another guy who had injuries Absolutely. also. What was Absolutely. Yeah, he was he definitely was one of the li- uh, listeners' favorites as well. Uh, go ahead, Bob. Yeah, what was it about Penny, um, Daryl? Because, you know, I was a fan of his game. When I started watching basketball, I was just eight years old, and I saw Penny. I liked Penny. Maybe part of it was those shoe ads with the marionette or whatever. But can you tell us, Daryl, why you thought Penny would be such a great player if those injuries didn't hurt him? Well, he could kind of do everything on the court. I mean, he was someone – see, I like guys on the court. If I'm watching the game and I'm not really paying attention, let's see, I'm just kind of – casually looking at it i'm not looking for anyone and if i notice you on the court if i see you and i start like noticing you again that makes me start wanting to watch that guy and look at that guy on purpose to see what that guy does penny hardaway is a guy that you're going to notice on the court immediately and you're going to see the things he does whether it's going to go into the hole like make it a great pass some guys just stand out they look different on the court Kenny Hardaway was one of those guys that, that was like that. And I, they were actually playing the Bulls back then with Orlando when they ended up knocking out the Bulls the one year or two and all. So I got to see a lot of Penny at that time before, you know, he ended up having his issues later on. And before he got hurt, I mean, he was a terrific player. And by the way, Bob uh, and Phil, if you want, there was one guy too in the locker room was kind of interesting because – uh, I think I mentioned to you in a text, Thomas. Yeah, we're still here. Are you there, Daryl? Yeah, Darryl. I was going to say, I mentioned to you Tyrus Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Tyrus Thomas. Tyrus Thomas was a guy that almost nobody would go up to him in the locker room and stay away from him. He kind of had like a a force field around him that was saying, stay away. Mm. He just gave you a vibe of not going up to him. And I remember I went up to him one time. He had the headphones on, and then he actually did talk to me and answered a couple of questions. But certain players give you that vibe, like they're not approachable. And I was thinking when the Bulls that year drafted Thomas, when they could have gotten LaMarcus Aldridge, and LaMarcus Aldridge went, to dinner with the Bulls and Scott Skiles, and he said Scott Skiles freaked him out when Scott Skiles was staring, uh, staring at him. And, like, you know, I think that's one of the reasons the Bulls didn't draft Aldridge. And I'm thinking, I can imagine, how in the world did you go to dinner with Tyrus Thomas based on the fact of what I witnessed when I would see him in the locker room and come across that you wanted to draft that guy? If wow. you had a conversation with him, 
I think he would have put you off where you would not have wanted to draft him. So sometimes you wonder what people are thinking when they're making the decision to begin with. Absolutely. Mr. Horace, we, we know that me, one of me and Bob's favorites is a player on the Miami Heat, uh, the Chicago native Kendrick Nunn. Uh, we're speaking of that, we kind of know that he's not having a, a great uh, series this round, but did finish second in the rookie year voting. Uh, can you speak on like Kendrick Nunn and any of the up and coming Chicago players that you might think that our listeners should be on a lookout for? Well, I know he went to Simeon, so uh, he came from there. And he was kind of a surprise. I mean, people didn't really know a lot about Kendrick Nunn. So it was kind of surprising that he became as good as he was. It seemed like since the league stopped and since they came back with the bubble, it seemed like he is kind of an afterthought now. Other players maybe passed him up and progressed ahead of him. Because, again, he was scoring points. He was, he was playing really good basketball, and he wasn't expected to be as good as he was. And if I could bring up something real quick to you guys, too, your thoughts on it, by the way, aside from him, do you think bubble basketball is different? I think there's some guys that are playing in the bubble that are playing way better than they would if the games were regular games, playing in regular arenas right now with the crowd there. Do you think there are bubble superstars right now? Because I don't think the game is really the game, the NBA game, like it is really. I think this is a bubble game. Yeah, Bob. I do mean, you guys do you think they're? I'll go ahead, Bob. I think that I think you have a point, Daryl, because I know you were talking to me through text, like you love sports psychology. I think guys being on their routine because they don't have to switch arenas or practice facilities. They're not traveling. I had a, a heavy, intense traveling job, and it wore on me. So I'm sure it does on these guys. So maybe some guys are more well rested. You notice that without fans. There's like no, there's nothing in home court. It's all BS right now because I mean, you just got to play the game, right? So I do think it, it has changed. I've been reading since the guys sh- shooting the same um, court, and you know, there's not a crowd. Your depth perception's better, so that's maybe partially why some shooting and scoring's up. So I do think there, there's a factor in that. And I agree, Bob, with that too. I think that. You know, it's kind of like when you grow up and you go in the backyard or you're going to the local gym. I think not having to, you know, different gyms have different backgrounds. I think, Mr. Horowitz, you know, like back in the day, they said the old Chicago Stadium had very tight rims and it was hard to shoot on. Uh, but if you're shooting on like the same baskets mm-hmm. every night, you get accustomed to to going to shoot around and shooting. And also, you know, with the, the, the no distractions of family, you don't have anyone asking you for tickets every night. You don't have uh, media obligations and signings to do and a lot of other press interviews. So I think that it, it may be harder on older players that have families back at home, but especially for a younger player like a Tyler, Tyler Hero that's 20 years old, he can just go out there and be carefree and play. I uh, know that, you know, he's not the main option, but I think it definitely favors younger guys. And, you know, like Dame Lillard was like the MVP of the bubble as well. When you got, you know, Murray on Denver, Booker on Phoenix was great in the bubble. Yeah. I mean, so many of these guys are lighting it up in the bubble. Mitchell was – I mean, they're shooting – like I said, the background has got to be great there compared to what it, it might be in regular arenas. Again, no fans there, period. That's why I think these players are playing perhaps over their heads and when they get back to reality, they may not be as good as you thought they were in the bubble anyway. Absolutely. Mr. Horace, are there any other players, like younger players in Chicago, that our listeners in Chicago, either nationwide, should look out for? Any highly touted recruits going into college or high school players, maybe guys in the league that maybe haven't got their uh, opportunity? I know there's a young man on the Lakers. I can't think of his name. Last name is Tucker. They went to Iowa State. I know a lot of people are very high on him as well. I'm not familiar with the Chicago high school scene, especially since I left town. Uh, I followed it somewhat. I would watch the games when it came down to uh, it have the high school championships and stuff. Chicago, it seems like in the last few years, hasn't had some of the big stars coming. I think Anthony Davis maybe was the last one. By the way, Anthony Davis is kind of interesting. Uh, I actually lived right next to Perspectives. That's where he went to high school at. Literally, wow. I could walk out my door of where I lived. And, and within about less than a minute, I would actually be at the high school. Wow. So it's kind of 
So that's kind of interesting. Was, was it? What's, I'm sorry. Was there a lot of talk then, Mr. Horowitz, about him? I know they said he hurt at the charter school. Was there any potential to see he'd be this good? I don't think anyone thought he would be that good. Like you said, he had a huge growth spurt. So he was really more of a guard size and learned the skills of a guard. And all of a sudden he shoots up like eight inches or whatever, how much he grew. And he's able to still be that guard. But in the six foot eleven body with you know those long arms and everything, and I watched him the one year at Kentucky too, and obviously he killed it at Kentucky. See, my hope before with the Bulls, by the way, was when they made the Butler trade, which I actually thought was a good trade for the Bulls. I think they totally screwed up after the trade with the decisions they made. They didn't go all in when they were trying to tank, which they should have. So they missed out on Trey Young. They missed out on Donchick, so they missed out on people like that. So that's part of the problem with what they ended up doing. They didn't go all in when you got to try to do it. So if you're gonna if you're gonna tank, you're gonna do things like that. You got to do it right. So what I was hoping for is I thought they could have drafted Trey Young at the time if they had gotten him. I didn't watch Donchick, so I don't want to project on Donchick. I know he's turned out to be a great player, but if I didn't watch him, I'm not going to say take this guy or not. I only talk about people. That I actually made comments on because I watched them and thought they were good. So I would have taken Trey Young. I loved Rajon Rondo. So before now the Bulls got Donovan and Rondo was playing on the Bulls, I was thinking I would offer Rondo, would you want to be a coach? Because he always talked about wanting to be a coach and he's a brilliant basketball man. I would have offered him a job on the Bulls to be the coach. All the young players loved him. You know, those he was their favorite player in the team. Uh, Nikola Miritich said that too. And Anthony Davis, who he played with, also loved him. And I was thinking, okay, if he's the coach, if the Bulls had Trey Young, who's able to make everyone better because he gives them the ball right where they want to have it, so he makes them all look good, Anthony Davis would probably have been willing to come to Chicago as a free agent and come back home had the Bulls done something like that. So that's what I was kind of in my mind I was being the GM and I was building the team and what I would have done. And that's what I was hoping for, actually. That's incredible. Thought, any more thoughts, Bob? Um, no, I think – well, actually, quickly, we forgot about this, but with the Western Conference Series, we've got the Nuggets who are a bit overachieving. We have the Lakers. What do you think so far of that series, Daryl, and who do you think comes out on top? I mean, I can't imagine the Lakers not coming out on top, to be honest with you. Oh, but I could say I'm a little surprised that one game took a three-pointer by the aforementioned Anthony Davis to win. And then the very next game, Denver beats them. And theoretically, you look, oh, maybe they could have been up 2-1. Although I think if they made that shot in game two, if he missed a shot in game two, it might be a different game three. But I... I'm really surprised that Denver uh, has – I'm surprised they're still playing, to be honest with you. I thought they'd be out a long time ago. I think the Lakers are going to win that series. Maybe Denver wins one more game, but I can't see – I don't see them winning this series. Let's put it that way. Bob, I'm not sure if you followed the, the upcoming draft at all, but if you have, Mr. Horvitz, who would you say would be the top pick? Would you take – LaMelo Ball or Obi Toppin or James Wiseman, who do you think would be the top prospect for uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves? Well, there was talk of Edwards. Then another mock draft recently another mock draft recently said Bell. Oh, I mean Ball. I'm missing Bell. But I'll tell you what. Here's my philosophy if I'm drafting, especially up at the top of the draft. Like a few years back when Aiton was the number one pick. In today's game, I would never, ever draft a guy like that with the number one pick. The people you draft have to have the ball in their hands. They got to be the ones that have the ball, not the guys that depend on other people to get them the ball. Because if you're going to win in the league today, you have to have a guy who's ball dominant and controls the ball. That's how you have to build your team and your philosophy as a GM has to be those are the type of guys I want to have. So if I'm getting the top pick, I'm not picking a guy that's a center that someone else has got to get him the ball all the time. So I have no interest in Wiseman. 
that would be a guy if I had a team and the only thing I was missing was that piece, then I would be willing to take him if there was nobody else I liked better. I don't like Tolkien. Uh, I don't. The guy's older. I don't want a guy that's been in uh, college ball all that time. He would be someone I would be interested in all. Uh, I'm in Charlotte right now. I'm Charlotte, by the way. For them, I would draft a ball because they need a star. And whether he's going to be great or not, he's going to be interesting and people are going to want to see him. For the Bulls, I don't think Ball would ever get there. I would take Ball, but I, I would think I would take uh, Denny from uh, Israel with the Bulls pick, maybe as a quasi-Donchik. I'm sure not as good, but a player that plays kind of like that, he also is a guy who could handle the ball for you. He started getting to be a better shooter. He's supposedly a very good passer. I think, and he's also considered a really good athlete. So that's a guy I would probably take if I were to go for the number one pick. Uh, if I were in Minnesota, don't they have D'Angelo Russell too? Yeah. Yes, they do. I think I would trade the pick. See if someone wants it and how bad they want it. That's what I would do. Mr. Horace, what would you do if you were Golden State? They've got Andrew Wiggins. They've got the third pick. Uh, they've got a lot of assets. What would, you, would you get rid of Wiggins and, and package the pick? Don't they have the second pick? The second pick, yes, and Andrew Wiggins. Well, who are you getting for? It depends on what you – Wiggins, to, you know, there's certain players that score. They put up points, but they're not, there's no value to it. It's empty calories, so to speak. Wiggins is that type of player. When, when he was coming out – when they were talking about him from high school and how great this guy was supposed to be, I expected a different type of player, and I've never seen that player on the NBA court. So he's a guy to me that you can replace. He's a replaceable. It, de- it really depends on what you get. I'd be more than glad to package him, and if you wanted to package him with the second pick, I don't see anyone this year. If you're, if you're trading up this year, Unless you're giving up almost nothing to trade up, I think you're not that smart of a GM, in my opinion. Because this is the year you do not want to have probably one of the top picks in the draft. This is uh, the worst year to have. Because the, there's no one that's a sure thing. Nobody is a sure thing in this draft. And I definitely would not trade up if I were another GM or somebody in this particular draft. For Golden State, I mean, they could use Wiseman for his position. Again, uh, they have to make a decision what they think is best for them. But, again, this is not the best draft to have the first or second pick in either, necessarily. Oh. Well, did you have any other questions for our guests? To really thank you, Mr. Horowitz, for taking the time out of your out of your evening to join us, this and our listeners on Anchor.fm. Uh, also, uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Basic and Brown, and also Instagram as well. Uh, Mr. Horowitz, is there any other place that our listeners can uh, follow you at as well? I know you mentioned earlier the the website that's coming out soon. Well, I'm gonna build, I'm gonna have my own website right now. I said I'm at Daryl at Daryl Horowitz on Twitter. Nowhere else, unfortunately, now. I'm not writing for anyone outside of doing the restaurant reviews, and I don't know if anyone here wants to uh, <laughs> read my restaurant reviews in Charlotte or not. <laughs> well, people get hungry. They might. But I'll let Bob know in the future if I do hook up somewhere, though, for sure. Hi, kitty. Well, Bob, I'll let you close it out, Bob. Definitely. Well, Daryl, again, thank you so much uh, for getting on our podcast. Um, I've been a fan of your work for such a long time, and um, I appreciate you just, you know, throwing some knowledge here, and uh, hopefully we, we get you on again sometime. be my pleasure, Theo. Bob, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it, and uh, good luck with your show, and uh, we got some more basketball to watch yeah. tonight, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. We'll see if. Bye bye. I'm going to thank our live listeners, uh, Quincy Parks and Council Bus Iowa. We thank the great Neil Askew in Omaha, Javen Amble for listening in, Am- uh, in uh, Ames, Iowa as well. So I appreciate our live listeners. And folks, join us next week for episode 15 of Bejek and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. Everybody enjoy the, the playoffs, enjoy the conference finals. 
Be safe and have a great week. Thank you. Oh, he, he can't hear.